Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By. Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition in another season of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast Season number five of the Mile High Hoops Pod. Shout out, um, shout out everyone, regardless of when you jumped in uh, on this timeline. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Unfortunately, we are reacting to a game one loss of just a just a different, uh, a disappointing variety uh, on, on a couple of um, a couple different planes. But but first and foremost, it's a one twenty three one hundred two loss in Utah. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses for the Nuggets. Now, they should have been opening up at home because you have the two-time MVP and the NBA still doesn't give a damn with the way that they schedule games. Whatever, the Nuggets still uh, should never, ever. I don't care if the game was in Utah. I don't care if the game was on the BYU campus. I don't care if it was played um, on the moon. The Nuggets should never get beat by a team like Utah the way that they were beat. Now, it's the NBA. You, you can get got, okay, on any given night. It, it's pro sports. Um, but to be down 24 points in the first half, to be giving up uh, 75 points in the first half is about as brutal as you can get. And the most disappointing part of the loss wasn't on, like, one particular player, one particular possession – for me, it was about uh, the approach of the Nuggets and the lack of sense of urgency in the very first game of the season. Like, how did how did they think this was going to go with a medium effort in the first game of the season? This this game is not you know in the middle of December. Okay, this this is not the dog days. This was the very first game of the season against a team that has. Young, largely unproven players they're gonna, that uh, have serious chips, uh, chips on their sh- shoulder, and they talked about it after the game, and uh, combined with a mix of, you know, veterans that also are like, yeah, let's slow down on the tanking talk because that's a reflection of me. So you have these, the, the, you know, the young talent, the, the Colin Sextons, the, you know, uh, uh, Beasley's, and Beasley's not so, so young, but, I mean, I think he's still only 24 years old. The Kelly Olenek's, the Laurie Markkinen's, the Jared Vanderbilt's especially. I mean, Vanderbilt all over um, the, the, the place in that first half. But then you also have the blend of, you know, more tenured, you know, Mike Connolly's, Jordan Clarkson's, you know, Rudy Gay's like that, that know what's up, that have an NBA compass. So really disappointing uh, for the Nuggets to show up or really the, the lack of showing up from just playing hard, right? And and, and I, I tweeted this during the game, like good things tend to happen for basketball teams uh, or any type of team sport that simply play hard. You end up, you know, getting breaks. You end up, you know, good fortunes open up for your own self and Anyone who grew up playing sports at even a reasonable competitive level, you know, would have coaches tell you hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And the Nuggets clearly are the more talented team. 
I mean, look, look, look at the dynamic of the projections for these teams. The Nuggets are being picked by 538 to be the one seed in the Western Conference. Shaquille O'Neal was picking them to be the one seed. You got people picking them to go to the NBA Finals. And then you have a Jazz team that everyone um, that covers the sport believes that um, that they are not only in full rebuild mode, um, but Danny Ainge is going to have them in in tank mode for one of the top two picks in Scoot or or Wembenyama. So it's it, it just a disappointing effort. Disappointing effort. Much a better you know reaction or adjustment from a, a temperament standpoint in that second half. But look, when 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 you're on the brunt end of a twenty-two to five run, uh, when that bench unit went in there, I mean. LOL. I, I don't know what to say. A 27 to, to, to 7 run, I think it ended up, if you extrapolated it a little bit more, um, you're going to lose most of those games. And the Nuggets from three were dreadful. Uh, in the first uh, half, they were two of eight from three, while the Jazz were 11 of 22. So the Jazz made more threes than the Nuggets attempted. They uh, absolutely punked the bench unit 35 to 9 in the first half. 35 to 9. They absolutely destroyed the Nuggets on the glass in that first half, 27 to 11. Uh, at, the, at the break, Jared Vanderbilt, former Nugget, like, how did you think he was going to approach this game? Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, in the most literal sense, had more rebounds than the Denver Nuggets team as a whole. Jared Vanderbilt at the halftime break had more offensive rebounds than the Denver Nuggets team as a whole. So just very disappointing. That's my biggest takeaway uh, from the game. And, you know, when I think about, okay, so like now that that's established, that's my biggest takeaway. Who's to blame for that? Like, is there someone that you can think of? Um, I, I, I just... I'm just so hesitant to say Michael Malone, and I know a lot of people want to say, hey, if, you know, you don't have your guys ready to play. That's on the coach. Well, it's the first effing game of the season. Like, what the hell are we doing? So <laughs> I just, I'm just refusing to put that on Michael Malone. That's on the players, all right? That's on the players. Go watch the first half, and if you covered up the jerseys and had a bunch of strangers watch or even a room of ninth grade, you know, freshman basketball players, um, they wouldn't have been able to tell who was projected to be, you know, uh, hosting a home court advantage in the first or second round and who was supposed to be tanking because, you know, playing hard makes up for a lot of that. So I put it on the players and honestly, you know, if you were going to select the player, like, look, Jokic is the head of the snake. Jokic is supposed to be taking this, you know, gargantuan step as a leader, right? You hear the guys talk about it, um, you know, becoming more of a vocal leader. And I wrote this down in my notes, you know, in the midst of um, as things were really uh, sliding in the, in that second quarter. Like, who is the voice of this team? You know, who's the voice? It should be unequivocally Jokic, but he, he just hasn't really had that. We're hoping he develops into that. But having a voice uh, in, in a moment like last night, an unequ- uh, unequivocal, undeniable voice at the very top, um, I think is can prevent stuff like that. Uh, but I saw a lot of those timeouts last night. You know, these guys would go to the bench and no one is really uh, taking over that leadership. Um, I'll say void. You know, I'll say void. You know, too often times last year it was DeMarcus Cousins, right? And I think that's a, 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 a certain, like, real component of why he's not here. I, he had too much of a voice. 
considering his personality type. Just not the right fit for this Nuggets team. So someone's got to step up there. It should be Jokic, but if it's not going to be, who is it? And that's a question I think that we should continue to monitor uh, through this season. All right. Um, It's one game. There's 81 left in the grand scheme of things. I don't think this is very important. Now, could it cost you at some point seedings at the end of the season that you can't possibly forecast right now? Sure. That's, you know, always a possibility. But with a broad stroke, the game itself doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, But it's okay to admit, yes, it, it doesn't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. But I'm also simultaneously disappointed with what I saw in the in the season opener that we've all waited uh, so long for, you know. And I saw an offense that um, was a little bit more stagnant than I expected, uh, was doing a little bit more thinking than I expected. But really, when you take a step back and look at the dynamics of the last time this group was playing together was almost a couple years ago. And I know there was a you know small sample size in the preseason, and the but in the first game, you know Jamal nicks up his hamstring. He never, you know, gets back into the fold. And Michael Porter Jr. is playing every night, but you know Jokic isn't. And you know, so you're trying to you know put these puzzle pieces back together. You know what the puzzle's supposed to look like because it's it's not brand new. Um, but you're trying to remember where all the pieces are fitting on the fly. Um, so that's why I think it just looked the way that it did. Um, Jamal um, is obviously thinking, you know, uh, a, a little bit uh, too much, but it's his first game back, and it's totally understandable. Um, there's a handful of possessions last night where I think in two months, Jamal's just rising up uh, and shooting, but uh, he was second-guessing a little bit, and you can just tell his timing and rhythm was just a little bit off, and um, we'll see that maturation process, uh, that rematuration process here probably over the next I don't know, month at least, at least. Um, but I'm, I'm also expecting it to, to get better while not reaching its final stage. It, it's, I mean, it's got to get better than this. It, it, it's got to get better than this. So um, I'm, I'm thankful that Jamal was able to go back into the game. Like when he turns his ankle there in that first half, I'm like, are you, are you kidding? Are you kidding? In the first half of the first game, uh, coming off a, a you know being down for most of the preseason games as a precaution with your hammy, we have an ankle getting turned. Um, that's not preventable. It's not. It's it's basketball, okay. Um, but I was like, are you? He's going back to the locker room right now. He comes back out. He gets back out on the floor. I'm like, thank goodness. So all in all, like outside of like the disappointing uh, effort. My biggest takeaway is that like Jamal had a little something happen to him and was able to get back into the game, finish the basketball game healthy, and let's freaking move on. Like, perfect. We got the first game out of the way. Didn't didn't uh, get the result that you wanted, but uh, everyone stayed intact. And given uh, the history and the health of this team, uh, you're kind of like looking at the game sometimes, like the fingers are over your eyes, like, please, like, let's get through this first game. And it was cool to see so many uh, of the uh, Jazz players come and sort of pay homage to Jamal after the game and welcome him back. Uh, after that, you know, such a long absence for for Jamal Murray. Um, one of the other most disappointing uh, parts of the loss was the bench unit. Uh, they were bad. Uh, they were really bad. Uh, they were not very good in the preseason. So it's not like you, you couldn't say, like, we didn't see this coming at all. But at the same time, you're also expecting it to be vastly improved of what it was this time at the start of last season. And just that band of vagabonds, mostly, 
uh, who were playing major minutes for the Nuggets' second unit. You were hoping this is a different version of that, unfortunately. Um, it was just bad. I mean, Jeff Green, uh, outside of the absolute hammer, he threw down on Kelly Olenek's head there in that fourth quarter. Just an absolute kill shot there um, that was featured on SportsCenter and this and that. Besides that, like the chunk, you know, the meat uh, and potatoes of his game, game number one, really bad. He was a minus 18 in 16 minutes. Kind of hard to do. Um, you know, uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan, who I've said on this podcast, said on my radio show, I'm in such proven mode with him. I've seen him play basketball the last couple of years. Has just been the opposite of effective. He was minus 13 in six minutes. All right. Uh, Davon Reed, not very good at all. Uh, with that second unit, he was a minus 12 in eight minutes, and I don't remember anything of note uh, from a positive standpoint from him. Um, yeah, just not good. Uh, Ish Smith didn't re- play at all in minutes that mattered. Um, Christian Brown didn't play. I think they put him in at the last, you know, last couple, uh, maybe the last minute or so with the first half. Picked up a foul immediately. Um, you know, so nothing really there in his very first NBA uh, a game, his debut. And Bones Highland, um, while, you know, uh, put the ball in the hoop a couple times, okay, uh, wasn't all bad. Um, but you can see that these opposing offenses are going to be picking on him. They are going to be targeting him in a serious way. Uh, and that was very obvious, very obvious. Colin Sexton going right at his neck uh, every opportunity that he got. Um, expect that to be a theme. He's got to find a way. Bone, Bones has to find a way to have his incredible length and wingspan uh, be more of an asset to him defensively and making up for the lack of physicality and his slightness um, because uh, opposing offenses are going to see a piece of meat out there, almost like they would see like a, a, a Jimmer Fredette or a, a young Steph Curry. It's like you are a piece of meat. So he's got to find a way to mitigate that. And if he can't, you, he better be an effective scorer, you know, and, and sort of negate, you know, what's happening on the other end of the floor. Um, we had our uh, Nuggets war room uh, uh, the day of the game. So it, it was yesterday, at the time of recording, it was yesterday on Wednesday, uh, game number one, just a couple of hours beforehand. We had uh, Matt Moore, the Action Network. Um, it was Jake Shapiro from DenverFan.com, who I was kind of going back and forth with. Because um, I, I, I said, I, I think a, 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 a big realistic step forward this year for Bones Highland is you know, jumping up from 10 points a game to 14 points a game and just being a steadying force as opposed to more of an up and down um, uh, type of dynamic. And both of those guys were like, no, no, he can be, he's 16 to 19. 16 points is the floor, 19 points. He could be sixth man of the year. And while that is, you know, um, exciting, the prospect of it, and the fact that it falls with under the umbrella of realism um, just is a testament to how good his rookie season was, second team, all rookie, all that, um, I, I just, I think it's a little bit naive to think that it's going to be, you know, peaches and cream 80% of the time with Bones Highland. This is a guy who was benched in the preseason by Michael Malone, um, a, a coach in Malone who is um, very hesitant to uh, put a bunch of stuff on the, on the plate of a young player like Bones. Um, so I, I just think it's going to be a more of an up and down variety, like where you're going to have nights like last night, then you're going to have nights where Bones, you know, scores 16 to 20 points. And then you're going to have, you know, uh, again, nights like last night. So, Young basketball player, year number two, uh, 26th overall pick out of VCU. This isn't, you know, this isn't, um, 
you know, fill in the blank, uh, uh, you know, lottery pick. You know, he's he's playing on a team that's expected to win a ton of games. So let's just keep a, our eye on that dynamic between Bones, that second unit, and and Michael Malone, of course. And at some point, is Ish Smith, you know, again, it's probably too soon to talk about this, but at some point, is there more minutes on the plate of Ish Smith, more of a veteran presence? Um, you could see Malone, you know, sort of pulling that trigger. And then, and, you know, the other uh, aspect I want to touch on very briefly here is, you know, we didn't see Zeke Naji. And this is why I, I, I think that, you know, over-podcasting in the preseason can sometimes be just like the most fruitless exercise. And I'm not saying there's no value to it, but you sort of just, you can, you know, lead yourself on, you know, through quotes and words and Oh, this happened in practice, you know. Okay, yeah, I'm not saying there's no value in that or those things, but you know what happens on game day? And there was one guy who didn't play a, a DNP coach's decision, and that was Zeke Naji. And you heard nothing but praise and just oh, Zeke's the star of camp, and this guy big leap forward, and you know all this pomp and circumstance. But then when you when you actually get to the games, he's the only guy that that doesn't check in. It just it just doesn't add up to me. Um, is it? Are they trying to you know build his trade value or something like that? Um, maybe, uh, maybe. But I I want to see Zeke Naji play some basketball. <laughs> this is a first round pick in year number three. If not now, is it is it going to be year number four? Uh, you know, I I want to see him play. I want to see him play. Um, it, it, are you gaining that much more with DeAndre Jordan in his, you know, six minutes at the backup center spot? Could you just go small and play Zeke? That's a question I have. I want to see it answered at some point here soon. Um, okay. Uh, what else here? Any other leftover notes? Oh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, I thought was okay. Um, he still has these moments where he's just kind of floating out there. I thought we would have seen him um, maybe just a, a, a little bit more featured offensively. He took just 10 shots. I think there's a lot of, you know, standing in the corner, well, uh, you know, too much standing in the corner. Um, I don't remember too many plays where it's like, hey, let's go try to get us a bucket here. Um, you know, too many, um, you know, too many turnovers, his, you know, uh, spatial awareness and just, you know, just general basketball awareness sometimes can still be lacking. And just because we turn the page over to another year doesn't mean it's going to be at an, an add water and stir uh, scenario with MPJ and some of those, um, some of those shortcomings uh, from years past. I think it's going to be, you know, something that we're going to continue to track. So there was still some moments where it's like, you're going to infuriate Jokic. You're going to infuriate um, your, your head coach and you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, he pulled down seven rebounds. That was second uh, on the team uh, after Aaron Gordon's 10. Who, by the way, um, moving on from MPJ here for a second, I thought Aaron Gordon was uh, played the best game. If I, we were giving out like grades, uh, I would say Aaron Gordon is the only A um, to come out of the gates and go for 22 points, 10 rebounds. You know, I, I had in my notes several times uh, just the synergy between he and Nikola Jokic is one of my um, other overarching takeaways from game number one. He just gets it, playing with Yoke. And I think Yoke loves playing with him. There was just, it seemed like five, six, seven different times where they're just kind of on a string with the two-man game. And it's leading to the most high-percentage shot in basketball that's a slam dunk from a guy like Aaron Gordon right under the hoop. And he's just like, I got to 
10-month-old daughter, and I just spoon-feed her her, you know, pouches and her her yaya, her yogurt. <laughs> Nikola Jokic spoon-feeding Aaron Gordon. And, you know, after the trade a uh, couple seasons back, I remember saying that, you know, Aaron Gordon is a great fit for the Nuggets, but there's somehow an even greater fit for him where he just gets to be the best version of himself. He doesn't need the basketball to be successful. Uh, when he did have it uh, in the first game of the season in Utah, he was aggressive. I love to see that with Aaron Gordon, but he was also, you know, measured. It was like, you know, finding that line of not not over-dribbling, which we could see uh, sometimes uh, from him in the past. And we saw a lot of over-dribbling. I mean, we, we, we did from, from a host of, you know, a KCP I thought had moments of over-dribbling. Bruce Brown had moments of over-dribbling. Uh, Bones Highland had moments of over-dribbling that all contributed, you know, to turnovers. I mean, 21 turnovers for the Denver Nuggets, just not ideal. So you lost a turnover battle. Um, did they officially, yeah, they, they lost the rebounding battle. And really, you know, when it mattered, um, they got dominated on the glass. Um, you look at, you know, the second chance points, you look at threes, you just can't lose in all those categories and expect to win, you know, and you, and you really, you lost in all those categories because of your, uh, your effort level. You just can't tell me if the Nuggets had the same sense of urgency as the Jazz, uh, on Wednesday night, they lose. And let, let's, let's just be honest. They got smacked. They got smacked. That said, that said, I actually don't mind that they got smacked. I really don't. It's game number one, okay? Disappointing. It's disappointing, no doubt. Let's not shy away from that. Let's, let's lean into that. Um, but at the same time, it's an early uh, punch in the mouth in the first round of a 12-round fight. That, dude, you guys are not good enough to think that you're just going just gonna to show up because you're projected to do this and that, okay? Utah Jazz may have a top 10 pick, and they just rolled you at home. You just gave up 75 first-half points. So learn from it. Let it be an early-season lesson that you can hope uh, that, that you apply to you know, the next you know, 50 games. All right. Uh, speaking of which, next contest is Friday evening, October 21st, against the Golden State Warriors in primetime on ESPN, a place that has been largely a house of horrors out there in San Francisco. Um, Golden State coming off uh, an early blowout win over the Lakers. They look terrific. All right. Um, right out of the gate. I mean, it was, you know, Steph Curry uh, going for 33 points and Andrew Wiggins picking up where he left off in the playoffs a season ago, scoring 20. It was Clay Thompson, you know, who should look even better this year, scoring 18 points in his first outing. Uh, Jordan Poole, six man of the year candidate, was in double figures, you know, right out of the gate. Uh, and then balance with, you know, uh, a Wiseman and DiVincenzo. And, you know, they look they look really good. It's it's going to be a tall task, and hopefully the Nuggets can go in there um, with a chip on their shoulder, uh, given what happened Wednesday night, and, and get a W before coming back home uh, on Saturday in the home opener against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, uh, it is great to be back. I'm so excited the NBA season is here. I'm so excited to be back on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Guys, please tell a friend. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, rate this thing, subscribe to this thing, tell a friend. That's the very best way that you can uh, support me and this podcast. And you know that whatever happens in Golden State on Friday night and Saturday at home against Oklahoma City, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.